the Nifty Podcast, presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all around the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2018, presented by Oculus from Seattle, Washington. My name is Dan Hudson. I was the festival manager for Nifty 2018 and also one of the programmers of the festival. And I am happy to be joined today by Kylie Murphy, um, who uh, wrote and directed the film Mad Lib Pixie Dream Girl, which uh, won an audience award at the festival. So really stoked to be able to have this conversation. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Kylie. I wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where where you're from, and uh, yeah, and how you came to make this film. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am from New Jersey. I currently uh, go to NYU Film School, um, so I'm doing commuting back and forth at the moment. Um, yeah, I made this film. I actually transferred into NYU um, like last year, so I made this film beforehand when I uh, didn't totally know what I was doing, and um, I submitted the script of the film with my application. Um, but yeah, when I when I made it, I was kind of on my own, very low budget. Um, yeah, I wrote, direct, shot, and edited. Um, so real one woman orchestra. That's awesome. So, um, so you submitted the script as part of your application to film school? Yeah, uh, I had the script around for a while, and um, I don't know. I just. I didn't really know a lot of other people who were making films or I didn't know a lot of filmmakers, um, in this area. And I just thought, okay, I have the script. Why not just go out and, and shoot it? Uh, so that's what I ended up doing. And, and what was that process like? Like, how did you, um, you know, without a huge network of support, um, cast your film, um, and find locations and everything else that went into the final product? Yeah, it was really just kind of like learning everything on, on the go. It was my first film. It was like, uh, figuring out how to work the camera the night before, like finding locations through friends of friends, um, I had I was able to cast it because I my sister is an actress and so I've known like a bunch of actors um, growing up and so uh, one of her friends was just like totally perfect for the part and thankful she agreed to be in it and then I you know I found the other actors through those kinds of connections and um, then like the the people who play the writers in the film. Uh, one of them is my sister's fiance, who is an actor, um, comedian, writer, Luke Sand, and then his uh, his friend, who's an actor. They they played the writers, and they were just perfect. It was really just kind of like a hodgepodge, modgepodge of like putting together whatever resources I could, um, and definitely wouldn't approach it in that way again. But I learned everything on on the go of that well that's that's pretty impressive too on the first attempt uh both make it into nifty and also take home an award so you must have been doing something right (laughs) thank you yeah i mean it was it was like totally gratifying to come to nifty and have the experience of showing it 
um, to such a enthusiastic and great crowd of people who are just like totally game and totally up for the film um, and for every film, you know, um, that was just easily like the best thing that has come out of making this film was just that experience of showing it. Um, speaking of reception and uh, response, um, have you had a chance to have this uh, film screen for any other audiences? Has this been at other festivals or how, how has uh, the film been seen so far? Um, yeah, so it's played at, um, it premiered at the Garden State Film Festival uh, in New Jersey, and then it also played at the Asbury Park um, Music and Film Festival. So, yeah, the Garden, I mean, this was my first, like, festival experience ever, um, and I didn't really know what to expect. So playing at the Garden State Film Festival, um, that was also a great experience. Uh, I felt like with, with the film, like, you know, it's based off of the the manic pixie dream girl trope. And I feel like that concept is a lot more maybe accessible to a younger crowd or, you know, people who use that term in, in every day or like um, are able to, to identify a character immediately. And like, I don't like at the other festivals, it was kind of playing to an older crowd who maybe that, the the concept of the film still played and registered with them, but like maybe not the exact, um, it wasn't as identifiable as like, Oh, Amanda Pixie dream girl. I've seen that. I've talked about it. Like I read an article about it, you know? Um, well, it, it's, it, it, it's interesting that this film was also your first film because there's so much about this film that, um, I think would play well to a nifty audience, um, being, comprised uh, significantly of filmmakers in the audience because uh, there's so much about the the craft um, of filmmaking and some really kind of meta themes about um, character and story development. Um, so I'm wondering what some of your influences were on uh, I'm writing the script um, because I wouldn't have taken this film as uh, a first film for a filmmaker because you're taking such a deep dive into uh, filmmaking itself. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, someone came up to me afterwards and said they thought it was ambitious, and I was like, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way, but, um, I mean, I think it is pretty ambitious to kind of try to tackle that, like, look behind. Um, I mean, so the inspiration for me was um, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, which um, I'll explain is like this character, stock character type that pops up in a lot of uh, films and, and television that's like this bubbly, effervescent like, female creature character who comes into like a sad man's life and uh, kind of inspires him, shows him how to live and love and, you know, sparks that creative genius that was always hiding inside of him um and I, I mean I've seen that so many times um it was like the term was coined in an in a review of Elizabethtown with um Kirsten Dunst uh who's just like a pretty premier man, man of pixie dream girl um and then you know I think Natalie Portman and Garden State um 
the character in 500 Days of Summer, like these characters, we see them all the time. And, and what first came to me was um, the, just that title, Mad Lib Pixie Dream Girl. I don't know like what, why that combination of words popped into my head, but I like wrote it down in my notes on my iPhone and then um, just kind of had that sitting around for a while and didn't really know what to do with it. I mean, I, I could clearly see the concept and what I wanted to say with that, but I, I didn't know exactly how to translate that. And I think it clicked for me when I was, when I realized that, Oh, you needed to show like the writing of the film and the film itself, like to go back and forth between them. I, I think that's when it clicked the, the structure opened up for me and I was able to like start actually working on a script. Yeah, there was, um, yeah, there was, I felt like you were getting to the heart of a lot of, uh, stuff that for a number of years, I think was, um, for much of the film industry, um, going largely unexamined, which, uh, were, you know, a lot of male writer directors or even just male screenwriters that were writing these, uh, characters kind of in a vacuum, um, without, without, I think a lot of, um, critical feedback from other, other creative, uh, female writers or or filmmakers. Um, yeah, and I think that, I think that there is, um, a little bit of a reckoning, going on right now. And I do think that there are a number more male, male writer directors that are uh, at the very least um, bringing in female co-directors or mm-hmm. writers um, to help um, have realistic um, full three-dimensional female characters in their films. And I'm wondering, um, yeah, if, if you, you know, have seen any progress made, um, in recent years or if, or if you're seeing any sort of uh, headway being made in this arena? Yeah. I mean, I think I totally agree with you that um, I think the platform is just becoming bigger and like maybe early on we, these writer directors like weren't getting that feedback. I mean, it was probably just like this echo chamber because you kept seeing that like type this like stock character who just was like the same, a variation on like the same template, you know, just like throw this quirky hobby here and like this, you know, relative here, you know, and you just kept seeing that replicated over and over. And I think, I think it definitely has gotten better. I think that people have been able to like make works that are able to examine that and address that in a constructive way. Like uh, Zoe Kazan made um, this film, she wrote this film called Ruby Sparks, which is basically like a deconstruction of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And I don't think that would have been able to be made earlier. Um, But I also, yeah, I mean, I think the person who came up with that term actually like wrote an article a few years basically saying that he regretted coming up with the term because it was misused. Like people were using it as this sort of blanket, you know, uh, way to 
to um, characterize any sort of female on screen that like was a little bit independent or maybe had like a little bit of an edge or something like using it as this like big bucket to put anything that defied the norm in when I think it's just way more indicative of of what goes on in the writing process like of, of whether these writer directors are considering like an inner life an agency um a backstory even you know I think that's really what the manic pixie dream girl is to me is is just like a plot device like it's like we're gonna stick on a bunch of different verbs and nouns and adjectives onto this girl but, but this person that we made is is just here to like initiate something within the protagonist and I think there are a lot we are seeing a lot more complex representation of women and I think you know you're right that that a lot of it is due to like more feedback from women and women in positions to be writing and directing like even in more romantic comedies that I've seen recently I think the female characters are like more identifiable they're not just like quirky little offset you know so I think it is getting better hopefully we'll continue to get better I think it's all about you know the agency of that character and if if you're considering that she has a life and not just has a a plot um motive yeah it's interesting um some of those uh characters um, and actresses specifically that you named because I feel like um, maybe the the problem was actually exacerbated for a few years because uh, those actresses were getting kind of cast to those roles or those roles were uh, perhaps um, you know scripts that might not have otherwise gotten made because these actresses were, were popular within a certain aesthetic or, or or what have you that was trying to be marketed at the time um oh yeah totally and it was kind of mm-hmm. um, and i would i would say even that maybe the show new girl kind of like took it to its like logical conclusion and yeah. <laughs> and in the, the way that you can kind of like get away with it is that the the three male roommate characters are kind of even more manic pixie dream boy, even more so than like Zoe Deschanel, oh, like taking yeah. it to her level. Um, but I, yeah, I think that hopefully that that show is the kind of like helped uh, <laughs> us collectively like <laughs> take it as far as we go, and like maybe we can kind of move past this kind of caricature. Yeah, I mean, the way that show was marketed initially a lot was like, she's adorkable, like that was the tagline. And what I think is interesting, which I hadn't thought until you mentioned it was like, I don't think that the manic pixie dream girl can like sustain herself over a long period of time. Like, you don't really see that, that character as like being a, a regular in a television show. She's usually just like floats in for a a three episode arc, you know? Yeah. Over time, like I've watched all of new girl and I think over time, like that persona just got weared down because it was like, we can't sustain this. Like she has to have a job. Like we have to show her 
having a job. That, that's what happens with all these like Man of Pixie Dream Girls in movies is that you you see it through the male character who's always the protagonist. Like you see it through his eyes, and like you mostly never find out like what these people do for a living, you know, or <laughs> that they're like how they make money, like what their interests in, like, did they go to college? Like you just see, like you go to Natalie Portman's house in garden state and like see the hamster, like uh terrarium she lives in with the hamster tubes crawling all over her house. And like that, that's the picture you have of her. You, you don't ever know. Like, I wonder what, she likes and dislikes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, maybe this like, it's kind of all born out of some, um, uh, I don't know, up, upper middle class or like 1% sort of like eccentric sort of, I don't know, something but, that yeah. you see out of like some like uh, British like BBC show or maybe like a Wes Anderson movie that like some people are like independently wealthy and they just like have some like hobbies or something that they're taking to like some extreme or something. But yeah, I, I think outside of some of those sort of uh, genres or, or characters that we, yeah, th this, this archetype kind of exists kind of wholly within its own reality. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like total wishful thinking. Like I feel like a lot of the times it's the writer, director, or wh whoever hyphen it they are, like they they are writing that male character as an extension of themselves. Like that person is usually like a creative type. Like, you know, in, in, fi in 500 Days of Summer, he's an architect in – uh, Garden State, he wants to be an actor. In Elizabethtown, he's a writer. Like, he's in advertising. I mean, and like, there's all, there's like this hint that's like, that's how they see themselves and that's how they're viewing the world. And, and this, this female character is just not real. It's just like this imaginative, like, just purely born out of imagination, out of a different reality but maybe one they want to have. <laughs> I mean, everyone would want someone to come along and fix all their problems and, and fix all their character flaws. Uh, it just so happens that everyone who's been writing these movies have been male and straight. So like <laughs> yeah. the female is the one that, that gets to do that. Or it's like Twilight and there's two, two guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Twilight is a, that's, that's a whole, whole other thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, just a couple questions as we're starting to run out of time here. Um, is there anything particular um, in in your film? Any like little any joke or moment or something that just like stands out to you as something that you're particularly proud of that came together um either either on set if there was anything was either improvised or something came together in editing or yeah it was just it was a it was a tight film with lots of jokes and little little bits to notice throughout yeah i mean um i think i had some like great help with editing i got a lot of great notes from a friend joanna noggle and so i think it really came together like i couldn't have done it without everyone's help and feedback to get it really tight. Um, 
There, I mean, I just really loved sitting in the movie theater with everyone at Nifty watching it and just like hearing the, I mean, hearing like the reaction to jokes is just like, that's my favorite part. Um, I think what got a lot of laughs was um, Luke, Luke's reading of the line blueberries. Um which was just something that he was doing, like every take would would put a different spin on it or something ridiculous. And that just, it was just so weird and perfect. And I think that just ended up working really well. Also what gets a good reaction is like that, um, the reveal of, of Julia, the actress riding away on the wagon um, I just happened to have a wagon in my attic that was perfect for that. Um, but something, I mean, the song at the end with the montage, that was just like better than I could have ever dreamed. Kara Salamando, who's a friend of mine, who's a musician in LA, I gave her the lyrics to that, which I just kind of, I wrote as a Mad Lib and I, I just like texted my friends and family without them having any context for like nouns and verbs and adjectives. And I just put whatever they said in it. Um, and so, you know, it's this ridiculous song that makes no sense if you were to read it and Kara turns it into this like beautiful, perfect, like indie pop montage song that I loved. And I thought that was just like better than I could have ever, ever thought of. Yeah, it, it all came together great. It was the perfect mix of, uh, you know, make, making fun of of the art form or the the genre, micro genre, whatever you want to consider it. Um, while at this, while at the same time, um, you know, playing playing it straight at moments uh, for maximum impact, and that that song mm-hmm. did work out really well. So, uh, kudos yeah. kudos on that. <laughs> Excellent work all around. Um, yeah, as, as, yeah, as we're wrapping up here, um, just want to give you the opportunity to let folks know, um, what you might be working on next, um, and, uh, where people can find your work. If you have a website, if you have any social media handles you want to share. Oh yeah. Thanks. Um, so I'll, I'm working on, uh, my second short film, which I'll be, um, shooting in the spring. So hopefully that will be done about um uh like april may right now uh i have um a website called madlibpixiedreamgirl.com and i'm working on my website which would be kyliemurphy.com and i'm gonna post uh madlibpixiedreamgirl there um when i'm finished with festivals and um there's another short i had made uh called advertisil which is like a parody of um uh, medication commercials, which is on YouTube, um, which I'll be putting up there too. Uh, so yeah, as of right now, I'm working on my next short film, which I hopefully will be able to finish in time to submit to Nifty. And, uh, hopefully I can come back before the clock strikes 25 years old. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're all about. We got to get you, got to get you next year. Yes, I uh, thank you so much for joining me, Kylie, and thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2018, presented by Oculus, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. 
For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media.